What's up, everybody? We are back here. Impact is on a new season with a new cast. I'm your host for this season, Zach Serdenik. Getting things ready to go on a brand new season of Michigan State basketball. And with me all year long, first off to my left is Mr. AJ Evans. It's great to be here. Excited. And alongside AJ is Caden. Great to be here, too. Excited. Caden, glad to have you along. I know... This is one of your first times on these airwaves a little bit with us, and AJ and I have been working Green and White Report. I'm sure that Caden, you'll join us at some point throughout the, throughout the season on Green and White Report, trying to get things going and talking some Michigan State basketball. But I gave quick introductions for you guys. I'll give a quick one about myself a little more as well. And if you guys just want to say a little bit about who you are and get the people to get a chance to know a little bit about us before we talk their heads off about college basketball season long, so I'll start. I'm Zach Sardinic. I'm the sports director here at Impact. I have been here for four years now. This is my senior year. Did a couple of years of covering football for WDBM and now am excited to be out here covering basketball and hosting Impact Is On. This was, fun fact, this was the first show that I listened to when I started to come into Impact and get an idea about liking Impact. I found Impact through Impact Is On. Shout out to Julian Mitchell, who's killing it out in Minnesota. And then Natalie Kerwin was the other host of the show at that time. And she is now the... Uh, sideline reporter for the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Tigers on Valley Sports Detroit. So shout out to those Impact alums if they're listening or even if they're not, shout them out anyways. But AJ, go ahead. Yeah, I'm AJ Evans. I'm a senior here at MSU majoring in journalism. Um, I'm a sports editor at Impact. This is my second year involved with Impact. Got involved actually a little bit my sophomore year, um, but started coming to meetings and getting involved in things consistently last year. I was a sports editorial assistant last year. Um do a lot of other stuff around campus, but I'm I'm really excited to be on the men's basketball beat this year and to be covering basketball, which is my favorite sport. Love college basketball, love the NBA, so really excited. Caden. Yeah, I'm Caden Handwork, uh, junior here at Michigan State. This is my third year of Impact. I did the Hedging the Bet podcast last year and was a general assignment reporter before that, covered like volleyball, baseball, softball, all those sports. Uh, very excited to cover men's basketball uh, this year. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, ready to get it started. It's going to be a good team. It's it's going to be fun. We're going to get into it. we got a lot coming today. Got a roster breakdown. You're going to look around the Big Ten, go through some game-by-game predictions, get some records out there, and put our predictions on the record, and then go into a preview of the season opener on Monday night. This actually, This actually isn't on our sheet too much, but let's talk a little bit about Tennessee. Because, boy, that was fun. Oh, my goodness. There was that game. If you were in in the Breslin Center and no one told you, like, the context of that game, you would have thought it was a, a regular season game. Like, the, the vibes were up. It had a marsh atmosphere, too. Yes, it. yes, it did. It did. It was really exciting. Um, two really, really talented teams that are really hungry to get back to where they were and to sort of avenge what happened last season. Both of those teams, I think, had disappointing finishes to the season. So, yeah, I mean, you you could see it right off the jump. Those guys were really competitive. They got after it on both ends of the floor. And, yeah, it was just exciting. Yeah, like Izzo at the press conference after the game, he was like, why did I do this in October? (laughs) It was like, that was definitely a March-type atmosphere, like Final Four-type atmosphere, and it was – Really exciting to see, and um, in terms of the game, I thought both teams played really well. Michigan State got off to a little bit of the slow start, a little bit, yeah. a little bit, eighteen to one, seventeen to one, whatever it was, and yeah. then 
they ended up climbing their way back. So it was definitely a very exciting finish at the Breslin Center and worth the money. Yeah, and you could see too, as as great as it was, you could see that both of these teams are still in the early stages of figuring out who they're going to be this season. You saw, I think Michigan State, it was apparent from the beginning, like, oh my goodness, you know, there's still some things that need to be worked out. They had a slew of turnovers. Um, you know, the goal is to keep it under 10. I've heard mm-hmm. A.J. Hogarth, Tom Mizzle talk about that. And they had 10, I think, with maybe 10 minutes to go in the first half, literally, yeah. like something crazy like that. Um, and then Tennessee had a bunch of their own. I think yep. both of those teams finished with more than 15 turnovers in that game. So it, there was some sloppiness at times, but, I mean, for a game in October, both teams looked really, really good. You're yeah. going to see, I think, a lot of that full-court press that Michigan State had and create turnovers. I will say this right now. I think Michigan State is probably going to be one of the most fun teams to watch in the country just because they're going to run. They're going to press. They're going to have guys that are high flyers. They're going to have sharpshooters. They're going to have big-time plays. And that's what's going to make this team so much fun to watch. And you saw that a little bit against Tennessee. But moving into the roster breakdown for Michigan State, we're going to dissect these position groups, talk a little bit about these guys and what we think about the position group as a whole. Let's start with the key to any deep tournament run, according to Tom Izzo, according to a lot of different coaches, and that is the guard play. This team returns a ton of guards. I have... A.J. Ogard and Tyson Walker listed as the starters. Jay Nakins will also be there, but I have him in the wings category because he's going to be playing more of a three at the moment. The Spartans will start a three-guard type look. But Hogard and Walker as the starters. Holloman and Fears coming off the bench, and then Davis Smith and Steven Izzo following out in the uh, mop-up minutes section. So thoughts on this group? I mean, what are you excited to see about this group? What do you need to see, and what kind of things do you feel like they need to work on? From this guard position? Yes. Yes. I think, first off, I, if it's okay with you guys, I want to talk a little bit about AJ. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the the disrespect I think that's occurred throughout the offseason has been kind of surprising. You know, I think Tyson Walker has received a lot of fanfare, and rightfully so, this offseason in terms of him being an All-American caliber player, one of the best two guards in the country. Um, but... You know, I haven't seen too much about AJ. You know, I as you there guys know, been much. there hasn't been much. I've read, you know, as you guys know, I read a lot, and everything that I've read, you know, everyone's fawning over a handful of of guards around the country. And not to take away from any of those guys, uh, Tyler Kolick at, at at Marquette, um, Tyrese Proctor at Duke. Um, there's a guard at Syracuse too, whose name slips in my mind. But Judah Mintz. Yes, Mintz is going to be really good. He's a dog, but. You know, I think AJ's resume speaks for itself. This team's success and what he's been to this team speaks for itself. This team, I think, will go as he goes, especially as we progress later into the season. Um, but it's been staggering to me to see the the lack of attention that he's gotten this season. But in terms of this year, I, I expect him to have a big year. Um, that three-pointer that he hit towards the end of the game is something that I'm looking to see more of from him. And I think his jumper will dictate a lot of what his offensive ceiling will be, not only this season, but for his career. Um, It's all there for AJ. I've always said that, you know, he can defend against any other guard in the country. He holds his own. He's a playmaker, great ball handler. And at his core, he always gets downhill, but finding ways to get to his spots and to connect on jumpers and really make defenses account for him out of the pick and roll. And just out of when sets break down, I think is going to, it's going to be the determining factor, like I said, in 
his ceiling and I think possibly this team's ceiling this season. From the guy who has not been getting the fanfare, as you mentioned, to the guy that is, I mean, Tyson Walker is quite possibly the best scorer in the country coming into this year. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, this backcourt with A.J. Hogarth and Tyson Walker, I think it it could probably go down as this year is one of the best backcourts in the country. And we always talk about in March Madness, like the key to going to the Final Four has always been guard play. And Michigan State has that with Hogarth and Walker. And uh, if they play well, they can definitely go really far. And I think they can win a national championship with those two. And then the bench guys, Holloman and Fears, I think Holloman's going to be a lot better than he was last year. And I think Fears, I think he's a guy that he's just going to he's gonna get better as the year goes on, and I'm really excited to see him play. You guys will hear this throughout this season on this show, but I love watching Jeremy Fears play. He has been oh, yeah. one of my favorite guys to watch play in the exhibitions and in practices. Just seeing the way that he plays has been so much fun to watch. He's a leader. He steps in. He runs things. But something that you've got to mention is Trey Holloman's not going anywhere. He's not. He has shown nope. that. He can play, and he wants to be on that court. And Izzo has talked about him making the biggest jump in the offseason yeah. of anybody, and you're seeing that. His confidence is there, and that's a big deal because it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that group. But when you have four, even five, if you include Aikens in there as a guard, guards like that level of guards, that's just elite nobody's got that kind of depth in the country well that's what i was gonna say you know it's one thing to have one of the best backcourts in the country there are a handful of teams i can say that but when you have four guards playing at a really high level within their roles that's something that most teams don't have i don't think that's a, no team in college basketball will have that if those guys perform um to the level that everyone's anticipating them to so it's gonna be fun that it will be. Let's move to the wings a little bit. Uh, Jaden Akins, I put him here, honestly, more just to balance out the two guard, two wings, one big type look, even though Akins is more of a guard. And then Malik Hall are the starters. The bench guys, Cohen Carr. I don't really, the thing about the wings is that Michigan State doesn't really seem to have too many true wings. They have a lot of guys that are in between. But Cohen Carr is a true wing, and he is going to be electric. Uh, if you don't know the name Cohen Carr, I'm a little surprised you're listening to us, but here's a chance to learn. Uh, Cohen Carr is one of the best athletes in the country. There's been a ton of hype about him. Julius Irving Award watch list. Had some people rank him in the top 10 in the country in terms of small forwards. I don't know that he's going to get there right away because I don't know how much he's going to play, but he played about 20 minutes against Tennessee, and they were plus 22 in the minutes he was playing. And he looked really good. Because that's what he does. And the thing about him is he's got to figure out how to contribute offensively in the half court. Well, Michigan State's a really good system for a guy like him to contribute in the half court because what they do is what they did against Tennessee. And Rick Barnes knew it was coming, and they still didn't stop it. The Spartans will set up Carr in the corner, and then they'll dribble the ball to the strong side away from Cohen Carr. And you stack that strong side, and then you send him on a pin, a pin down screen back cut lob dunk. Yep, they've done that for years, and now they have their best lob threat, arguably in the Izzo era. You don't have to throw it and have it be on target for Cohen Carr. He's just going to go get it. Yep, it doesn't have to be a perfect <laughs> pass. You throw it up, and he's going to find it, and he's going to dunk it. 
They asked him about having to move his head to avoid hitting the rim on that dunk in the first half when he dunked over uh, Meshack for Tennessee. And he said, yeah, I have to do that a lot. It's just insane athleticism. He was measured at a 48-inch vertical, which for those of you that don't know, that is, an ins- one, an insane number, but two, that would tie the NBA combine record. Yes, sir. And that's before this season, before the work he puts in. The unofficial record for an NBA player is Shaden Sharp at 49 inches. Cohen Carr's going to have a shot to get that. That's how crazy that is. And that's the thing. Like, the more I think about it, the less I think Cohen Carr will be on this roster next season. Yeah, I mean, in terms of his NBA future, just to address that, I think, you know, we've talked about it, but. You know, there's a lot of talk about him being really raw and maybe him not being ready. And I don't think people realize the league doesn't care if guys are ready. They don't care. Like, if you have the tools and you have the potential, teams draft you off of what you can become, not off of what you are. It's as simple as that. And what Cohen Carr could become, let your imagination run wild there. Like, Mm -hmm. he's that good right now. But, no, for I really like, you know, these guys – at the wing position, talk about Jaden so a little bit because we haven't yeah. talked about him yet, and yeah. he's got Gary Harris like potential. He does, and you know Jaden is, I think, an interesting guy because you know we've talked a little bit about it, um, but and Izzo has, has talked about it as well. He wants to have the ball in his hands more. He wants to be able to create more. Um, last year, he was in a bit of a, a three and D role, so to speak, and obviously, I think there's a, become a bit of a stigma around that. Some guys embrace it around the league. We've seen it in the NBA, but there are a lot of guys, you know, who want to be able to do more and they can do more. It's just a matter of being confined within a role. And so for Akins, I think he's a guy who's certainly capable of doing more. He's just going to have to show it. And I'm really excited to see where, where and how he progresses this year. His three point shot really took off towards the end of last season. He shot 42% from three. Um, He's just a marksman, so he's going to knock down jumpers. That'll be good to see. He was a little bit rusty against Tennessee, but... Um, he had a big it, one late, though. He did. He did. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it was just an exhibition, so I'm not too worried about that. But I think him finding ways to play more with the ball in his hands and to make plays for others will dictate what his role will be on this year's team. But at the very least, you know you're getting a guy who's going to defend well and who's going to knock down shots and who's going to, you know, get... I'd say, you know, four to five points in fast break situations as well. Because I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm sure you guys have. But when fast breaks start and Akins is on the floor, he's gone. He's gone. Now, if they get the ball to him, that's another thing. But he's always one of the first ones up the floor. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, between him and and Cohen Carr, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of fast-paced action, and those guys will be on the receiving end of a lot of lobs this season. It's going to be a bad year to be a rim in East Lansing. Oh, yeah. As it should be. Anything else on the wings, Caden? Yeah, Malik Hall. Uh, we saw yes. like he got injured a lot last year, and um, it really took away from MSU's like defensive presence. And with him on the floor, MSU has a better defensive presence at that wing position. And I believe like if he can stay healthy, I think that MSU is going to be better defensively than they, they were last year. Yeah, I, I never know with Malik Hall because Malik Hall is very talented, but those injuries – do still clearly have an effect on him. I talked to him at Media Day, and he said that he's not as athletic right. as he was when he was a freshman and he was dunking on Anthony Edwards in Georgia. Everybody knows about that Malik Hall. This is a different Malik Hall. 
But this Malik Hall can still contribute. He had 14 and 11 in that game against Tennessee. He also had like six or seven fouls, but we're going to not talk about that part uh, because it's an exhibition game. But the Malik Hall that is at his best is a big part for this team. If Malik Hall is not at his best, Cohen Carr needs to be in the lineup. And I think that's plain and simple. Like, if Malik Hall is playing at his best, he's a huge piece. He helps these guys. He brings that veteran leadership. But if he's not able to play at his best, you're going to have a lot of people calling for number 55 on the court. Yeah, and at his best, this team is just completely different. Um, Malik really impressed me. If there was a guy you asked me at the end of that game, the very end, like, who stood out to you, it might have been him off the top of my head. Like, turnaround jumpers from the block looked really good. He was aggressive. Obviously, you know, he picked up a lot of fouls, but I mean, he just looked really good. And you can see that even though he doesn't have the same explosiveness that he used to, the savviness is still there. And he's just found different ways to contribute. And that's a testament to the kind of player and the kind of guy that he is uh, for this roster. So um, I do want to say about Akins and Carr, especially Akins. I've been saying this since the start of his sophomore year. Akins is a pro. Yes. I think he's gone after this year. I think I will stand by this. You could put Akins on some rosters right now, and he would be fine. With the way he's just able to hit shots and defend, those guys are are everywhere around the league. They're more popular than ever. Every team wants those guys. I think he's a pro. He's gone after this year. For Carr, I'm I'm becoming more and more optimistic about him being gone just because I think his upside is just going to be too good for many teams to pass up, and I think he'll be able to bank on that. But remains to be seen. But I think Akins is certainly a pro, and this is his last year in East Lansing. Yeah, I would say the same thing about Cohen Carr. Like, Cohen Carr, like, with his ability, he's, like, a guy that I think could play in the NBA right now, just, like, with the way that he plays and the way that he can dunk and get up high. Like, I think he could be on an NBA roster right now. I don't know that Cohen Carr at the moment would be an NBA contributor. No. Because just yeah, you're no. looking at athleticism purely. He reminds me a lot of Shaden Sharp, if we're being honest, but it took Shaden Sharp some time Yeah, to figure it out. Yeah, and there was a mystery around Sharp. No one had right. seen him like outside right. of high school, you know. Um, and then you, you know, you were hearing about these secret workouts that were happening towards the draft, where mm-hmm. he was apparently amazing people. Um, right. But with Carr, I think, and it goes back to what you were talking about. I think there's always going to be a role for him, just because of how athletic he is, and he's always flying around the floor. And with any like continuity type of offense, where guys are just always moving that benefits guys who are athletic so much because there's so much you can do within that role. You can set screens. You're going to get garbage points. Like, there are so many options for him. So, like you said, I don't know if he fits on a roster right now, but teams are going to look at him and eyebrows are going to go up this year. I'm excited about his rebounding potential as well because he gets – every time you watch Michigan State, you're going to have at least one or two plays that Cohen Carr makes that you just kind of look around and you're – just kind of all you can do is laugh. Yeah. Because what can you do about that? You can't stop it and you can't teach it. He should average two to four offensive rebounds this season a game. I would, I don't see why not because he's going to fly to the bucket. And that's what they've been really pushing him to do. And he's, he's showing that potential. I'm really excited to see where he can go. The other guy that was on here is mop up minutes, but maybe even red shirt is Garrick Norman. Which is crazy because Garrick Norman is good. Yeah. And Garrick Norman like has run a lot of comparisons to Matt McQuaid. But with this team and how deep they are, I don't know where you put him minutes-wise. Yeah. He has the potential. I think he's like out of like the four freshmen, like Fears, Carr, 
Booker, Norman. I think Norman's the guy that could stay multiple years. Yeah, I mean, he's the only one I don't look at and say, that guy's going to be an NBA starter. Yeah. Like, I would be surprised if yeah. those other three guys— You think Fears guys... is, is going to be a starter? I think Fears has a shot to be a starter. But you already know how I feel about Jeremy. I love his game. So there's that. But I, I do think that all those guys eventually can be starters. But Fears is going to be a couple years. Yeah. Booker will probably be here at least two years, I would think. Um, Cohen... With what we saw. Yes, with where we've seen from Booker. Yeah. Booker's an interesting case, and we can get to Booker now because we're going to go to the bigs. Um, the starter is Marty Sissoko, and then you've got Booker and Cooper with Jackson Kohler on injured reserve right now. So, well, let's start with Booker. This is a guy that was not that highly touted. He was seen as a medium-level four-star. Then he goes to some camps over the summer and lights it up. Explodes. Skyrockets to number one in the class, number one in the NBA draft, drawing comparisons to Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. And then gets back into high school season Things start to temper down a little bit, and he's seen as a top 10 pick or top 10 recruit in the class, McDonald's All-American, all sorts of hype still, but not as high as it was. And I think part of that comes from the fact that I don't think he really was expecting to be the number one recruit in the class, and it just kind of jumped out. And I think people are starting to realize that he's going to take a little bit of time, but he has crazy potential. He has Jaron Jackson Jr. type potential. I know Booker talks about modeling his game after Kevin Durant and Chet Holmgren when I talked with him. He has a smooth shooting stroke. But I don't know whether he's ready enough at the moment defensively, besides his rim protection, but like defensively in a scheme, off of a pick and roll and off of that. And at this point in terms of the half-court offense, just knowing the offense and defense from Izzo, like, I think it's going to take him some time. He's going to get in the game. He's going to play 10 to 15 minutes a game. But I don't know that he's ready to play more than that yet. Yeah, you know, watching him against Tennessee was interesting because there were times where I felt like on the floor he just maybe didn't look as comfortable as we saw from from Cohen and from Jeremy. And it's a, it's a tough position to be in for him because this is a guy who everyone is, you know, billing to be – Whatever, but he's he's expected to be big time this year, and this roster is already loaded and and laden with a, a ton of guys who are gone after this season. But you know, from a a draft perspective standpoint, I'd say two years right now, just off of what we've seen. I think if it clicks though, especially towards pushing towards March, then he's probably gone, um, because the NBA works that way. And as we know, a lot of front offices don't start paying attention until around March. But it's interesting to project what his role will be on this this year's team just because I can't think of too many guys who um, sort of have that modernized four to five type of game that have been within this offense. And I wonder how it fits, too, with so many perimeter stars on this offense, to be frank. Um, But his shooting stroke did look good against Tennessee. That stood out to me. I think it's just a matter of, like you said, him getting more comfortable in defensive schemes because the last thing you want is is your big man getting picked on on defense. You, you just can't have that. Um, and you saw that against Tennessee with the other yeah. two bigs. Mm-hmm. Sissoko and Cooper really struggled. Yeah, The bigs in general were not good against Tennessee. And that's something that's going to be really interesting in a couple of weeks when we go down to Chicago and in the Champions Classic, MSU's got Duke. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And Kyle Filipowski's a dog. Yeah, and it's not and sometimes too it's not even a, I feel like Tennessee's was more so about how good those guards were. Like they were yeah, so good. Yeah, it was good, off the pick and roll. Yeah, they were so good at splitting screens and dancing out of them and making plays. I think a lot of the big men were like Whoa! Like, but Duke's what gonna have that too, though. Exactly. Tyrese Proctor and exactly. Jeremy, like those guys, are really good. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think on the flip side, you know, Michigan State's guards are gonna do the same thing to big men around the country. But it's this team on defense is going to be dependent on his big men finding ways to not get picked on, especially out of ball screens. You have to have good big men who can defend, who know whether to stay or help. And it's a really hard choice to make, especially in a split second of a moment when you have, like at Duke, a six-five guard coming straight at you. That's and a, then and then the seven footer in Filipowski that's a preseason All American exactly on the other side of it so the, it, it's it's going to be tough but I think those guys will be able to live up to it and I think Madi I know we're going to talk a little bit about him he I expect him to take strides defensively this year I really do that's the thing with we can get into Madi I just worry about the consistency because he's shown flashes but can he be consistent yeah, yeah. and that Tennessee game doesn't give me. Like, great confidence that he's going to be able to. Yeah, like, I remember with Mahdi last year, like, there were multiple games where he just, like, would, wouldn't score at all. And it just, like... Yeah, and I don't even think they need him to score. They don't. They just need him to grab rebounds, and they need him to play... They need him to be Kavon Looney, for those that are NBA fans out there. They need him to grab every rebound and play defense. And then be a lob threat. And stay out of foul trouble, too. Yes, but they have the depth that him getting into foul trouble is not necessarily going to hurt them that much this year. Because you're looking at Xavier Booker and Carson yep. Cooper and then eventually Jackson mm-hmm. Kohler. Mm-hmm. I do worry at, at the start of this season, if you want to ease Booker into it, Mahdi cannot get in foul trouble because then you're if you throw a guy like Booker out there to the Wolves. But you got Carson Cooper. And you can play Malik Hall at the five. Yeah. Like, you have options. I, if there is one prediction, I think Cooper, with his athleticism and with as much as he jumps around, I'd expect there to be a few games where he gets in foul trouble. Oh, I, this I'm early sure. In the year. I think yeah. he's. I think that could be a problem for him at the start of the season. He's a blast to watch, though. He's a guy that people thought was going to redshirt last year. Yeah. And as we were getting close to the season, you started hearing these whispers like, no, they're not going to redshirt him. This guy's going to play. And we're like, okay, why is this guy going to play? He was a basically non-recruited out of high school at IMG and Izzo found him and was like, oh, this guy might be a diamond in the rough. And all of a sudden, come tournament time, he's making huge plays against USC in a big game. He's making huge plays against Marquette in a big game. And now in the two exhibitions, with the exception of that second half against Tennessee, he looks pretty good. He did. He's a guy that's going to be a contributor on this year's team, especially with Jackson Kohler's injury. Yeah. No, he is going to be... Big time. You know, there are certain big men, I think, that just provide life to their teams on both ends of the floor. Sort of like um, what Tyson Chandler was to those Knicks teams and Mm. those Mavericks teams. Like, he's just an anchor. And not to say I think Cooper will be an anchor, but he's so athletic. He's always jumping around. He's so active. I think he just gives this team another dimension. We can talk quickly about Jackson Kohler because he was looking so good. That injury is so unfortunate for him because he had been so impressive little bit about him coming into the year, and then we're going to get into our look around the Big Ten. Yeah, I think Kohler, he, he can take that next step this year. And um, with him, like it's it's a good thing that the injury is only until Christmas because he can get through the non-conference. He only have like two tough games against Duke and Arizona, and then you'll get him back by like Christmas time. So it would definitely be good for Michigan State to get Kohler back and get that 
depth uh, going again by uh, Big Ten play. Speaking of Big Ten play, let's take a look around the Big Ten. There's a lot of talk about this Big Ten being Purdue and Michigan State and everybody else. I don't know if I agree with that completely. I think there's some pretty good teams in the Big Ten. Illinois just beat Kansas in an exhibition. Illinois is going to be filthy again this year. Uh, but Purdue brings back everyone from last year's team. That matchup on March 2nd is going to be a blast at Mackey. Saturday night, 8 p.m. tip-off. It's going to be fun. In West Lafayette, the Spartans and the Boilermakers. The only time they play this season, that's going to be a very good matchup. But what do you think of this Purdue squad? I mean, they bring everybody back, like you said. They have weapons all over the floor. I I expect this team this team is in the same is in the same state that Michigan State and, and Tennessee are in. And where they're looking to obviously obviously they had that, that major upset. So um maybe they're they're probably even There's more pressure on them yeah, than anybody else in the country. That's I what think. I was about to say. Like yeah, the the pressure's greater for them to get I, back to where they were and and to be better. I really even don't know who would win this matchup in a jump, but I really want to see Cohen Carr go up against uh, Zach Eady, like, in the paint. <laughs> like, I don't know whether Cohen Carr... If there's anybody in the country that could put Cohen Carr on... Or put Zach Eady on a poster, it'd be Cohen Carr. But I just want to see an attempt of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to see him go up and see if he can get over... He might get swatted. He might. But I want to see it. Carr's big. I, I think he flies over him and puts his body into him and booms it over him. I think I so. The, I I mean, there's a real possibility. I want to see it. So March 2nd, uh, please give it to me in Mackey. That's going to be a fun that game. That would be the greatest poster in college basketball history. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know about that. but yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I don't know about that. But anyway, I mean, I guess maybe. But we'll see. Who's that next team, though, Caden? Do you think – who do you think the next team is after Michigan State and Purdue? Um, I think Illinois will be really good. I mean, you mentioned the win over Kansas. That was really impressive. Um, uh, Northwestern with Boo Booey. I think that's a team that a lot of people could look at and surprise people. I, I might be I might be sleeping on them. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, don't forget, they were number yeah. two in the Big Ten tournament last year. So they were, but they there was a massive tie for yeah. that, and they lost Chase Audige. I'm dozing off on them. But. Yeah. Um, Boo Boo is always dangerous, though, he especially really to East Lansing. He's going to drop 30 against MSU. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you on Illinois. I really like Illinois. Um, I also think Maryland is solid uh, with Jameer Young and Julian Reese. Like, that team's going to be good. Wisconsin in Tyler Wall's 95th year of eligibility. Um, and Chucky Hepburn's somehow only a junior. They're going to be good. Indiana's going to be solid. They've got a lot of talent, but I don't know exactly how they're going to mesh. Uh, but the one that the one team that jumps out is Illinois. Because Illinois was more talented than most of the Big Ten last year. They just had chemistry problems. Well, now it seems like their chemistry problems might not be there still. And so if you're looking at trying to figure out what that team can be, Terrence Shannon Jr. is a top five guard in the country in terms of talent. He's going to be there. You're looking at Dane Danger down low, who made some big plays against MSU last year. They've got a very talented roster. They're going to be tough to beat. MSU goes to Champaign, and Illinois comes to the Breslin this year. That should be a fun matchup. I'm excited to see what Illinois can do in that next spot. Absolutely. I really am, too. This is... They're intriguing. They Very are. intriguing. 
who's I know Caden, your answer is Northwestern, as you said, but AJ, who's your dark horse? I don't know if we can call them a dark horse. I say Maryland. Okay. I, I I like Maryland. I guess it depends on if you're talking as a dark horse to win the Big Ten, because in that case they'd be a dark horse, but a dark horse to compete they wouldn't be. So if we're talking dark horse to win the Big Ten, I think Maryland's a legit dark horse. Yeah. My dark horse to win the Big Ten is Illinois. But my dark horse to compete, and I the more I think about this, the more I think that this is actually gonna be a dark horse, even though I didn't want to say it at first. Michigan. Yeah. No one's I, talking about Michigan. No one's talking about no it. No one. That's right. They are they have Doug McDaniel back. He's gonna be able to get buckets. They get Jalen Llewellyn back. Taurus Reed is good down low. They're not going to miss Hunter Dickinson as much because of that. And Olivia Kahn was a bucket. I don't know if a lot of people in Big Ten country are familiar with his game. He was at Tennessee last year. He does have the tendency to shoot you out of a game at times. But he can get buckets. He's going to go to the basket. He's going to be a slasher. He'll shoot threes. He had a 30-point performance or a 27-point performance against Tennessee or against Florida for Tennessee last year. He was a big get in the transfer portal for Michigan. They're not, I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten. No. But I think they're a dark horse team to potentially get in. They're either going to be a double buy team in my mind, or they're going to miss the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's an in-between. Hit or miss. Like, they're either going to figure it out, or they're really going to struggle. Yeah. See, I, I think they find a way, and I agree with you, like, not a lot of people are talking about them just because of last year, and not mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, like, around the Michigan fan base, a lot of people are kind of... They don't like Jawan Howard. They don't like the way it's going so far, and they're kind of just more focused on football and kind of hesitant about the basketball season. Um, I think Michigan is a team that could sneak in to the NCAA tournament. I I just don't think they're going to be one of those teams that's going to do a lot of damage, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect them to be spectacular because— and the reason I think that nobody's talking about them is because the fact that their roster is worse this year than it was last year, and they missed the tournament. But last year, their problem wasn't their roster because they were talented. Yeah. They were more than talented enough to make the NCAA tournament. Yes. It was just the way that they played. And uh, Dickinson and Howard, Jet Howard, just that combination didn't work. But now, I like that core to to be okay. Yeah. And but it's, we'll see. It seems like every close game Michigan was in, they ended up losing. It did. Yeah. It did. And I think that went down to their stuff at the end. But at the end of the day, I also think that when Jalen Llewellyn was playing, they were better in that respect. Because he was able to be that floor general. But Jalen Llewellyn got hurt and missed most of the season. But he's back now. All right, rapid fire. How many teams make the Big Ten tournament? Because then we got to get into our game-by-game predictions. Ooh. You go first. Do you want me to, like, list the teams? You can, or just give me a number of how Um, many Big Ten teams make the NCAA tournament. Purdue makes it. Northwestern makes it. Indiana makes it. Michigan State makes it. Maryland makes it. Illinois makes it. I want to say Michigan makes it. Rutgers makes it. And I don't think Iowa makes it, so I'm just going to go with eight. eight. Okay. I think the team that nobody's talking about that should have been my dark horse and is a better dark horse than Michigan is Nebraska. K-State Tominaga is a dog, man. Oh, and then Wisconsin makes it. Yes, Wisconsin. But K-State Tominaga is filthy. You don't want to mess with that man. He will get buckets on you all the time. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to also go with nine teams, though. I'm not going to list them all out, but I'm going to go with nine teams. Give me eight. Eight? Okay. Yeah. No Northwestern. 
AJ is fast asleep. He's not even dozing anymore. He is fast asleep on Northwestern. All right, let's get into our game-by-game predictions. I'm going to list the game. We're each going to say win or loss. Keep track of your own record for what you've got for him because I'm going to write it down at the end of the season for your or for the totals. So, all right, let's start it off with Monday. James Madison. Everybody got him 1-0? Yep. Win, yeah. Southern Indiana? Win. I would assume that would be 2-0. Now it's Duke, though. Champions Classic. Win. I'm going to say they lose. Okay. I'm going to take them to win this game. I think that I think this is going to be really reminiscent of that 2015 season at the start of the year when they beat Kansas in the Champions Classic, and everybody was like, oh, this team is actually legit. And they were the number one team in the country after that. I think there's a possibility that we see that there. So give me a win. I got them 3-0. Butler? Win. Win. Alcorn State? Win. 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 Arizona. Loss. I'm going to say win. Okay. So everybody's got them, what, five and one now? Is that how many games there are? Yep. Two. Yeah. Five and one through the first six. Just because I think they'll learn from the Duke game and they'll have a. And I'm the opposite. I think they lose to. I think they lose to Arizona. I I think Caleb Love and Omar Balo are going to be a filthy matchup for them. Um, Unless Caleb Love shoots Arizona out of the game, which he very well could do. I was about to say he very well could. But. He's so fun to watch, though. He's he's interesting to watch. So is Jordan Poole. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is like he is to me what Jordan Poole is to you. I think he is a Jordan Poole when he was on the Warriors. Not now that Jordan Poole's on the Wizards, where he's just unserious and airballing threes and three on one fast breaks. But I think Caleb Love is is talented and is going to be fun. Georgia Southern, that game's going to be a blast to watch. By the way, Georgia Southern and James Madison. We'll get into our James Madison preview in a minute, but. Georgia Southern runs, and they're going to try and get in a track meet. And I think Michigan State is probably the last team in the country that you want to get in a track meet with. But those teams are going to try, and that's going to be so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to say win. I think they win, yeah. But it's, yeah, me too. it's not going to like look pretty like pretty on the stat sheet just because they're coming off from the Arizona game and travel and everything. Might be a little tired, but they're going to win that one. See, I think it's going to be a pretty game on the stat sheet just because there's going to be a lot of points. <laughs> Because those teams are going to run, and you're going to see a lot of fast breaks. You're going to see some Cohen Carr highlights. You're going to see some big threes. That game's going to be—both teams are going to be over 70 in that game. For sure. Like, it's going to be—Michigan State might get to 80 or 90 in that game. Uh, Let's go—Big Ten play starting. Wisconsin. Win. Win. I think they win at home against Wisconsin, at the very least. So I will take them to win there. I will also take them to win at Nebraska. Me too. Say they beat Nebraska. I'll say win for now. These predictions are getting too high, I feel like. This is getting a really hot start. Yeah, I where mean, are that's, we at? You're at 8-1. and one. I'm at, Everybody's yeah. at 8-1. and one. I'm at 8-1 and one as well. Which is not the end of the world. I mean, that's not too hot. But Baylor, I, I think they beat Baylor. I think Baylor's going to be down this year. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm out on Baylor. Yeah. Um, I think they lost some big pieces. Scott Drew's a very good coach. Yeah. But I, I'm lower on Baylor than a lot of places. So I'm at 9-1. and one. Oakland... Sorry, Rocket Watts revenge game. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen here. Greg Campy eventually will beat Michigan State. I will say that. He's a good enough coach. Oakland will eventually get one against Michigan State. Playing them every year, it won't be this year. No. Not with this Michigan State team. 10-1 and one into Stony Brook. Everybody on the win column? Yep. Okay. Indiana State. That game's going to be fun. Indiana State's a good team. I think Michigan State's going to show up. I'm guessing Magic and Bird might be in the building. It's going to be a big game. 
Michigan State wins that game, in my opinion, but that's going to be a fun one. Indiana State's good. Don't sleep on the Sycamores. I agree. I agree. They'll win. All right, now we're into Big Ten play. Hopefully we'll have some more parity because I think all of us are sitting at 11-1 and right now. <laughs> Let's go into Penn State. Win. Win. I think they win at home against Penn State too. I don't I don't love that team from Mike Rhodes. But Ace Baldwin's good. And so we're looking at thirteen and one after me redoing our math a little bit. Going into the trip to Northwestern. Incoming Caden loss prediction here, right? Yep. I'm gonna say <laughs> Boo Booey. He's gonna have like a maybe a twenty five plus point performance and Northwestern's gonna knock him off. This is the year that Michigan State goes into Evanston and wins, in my opinion. It's I, been forever, but I think they do. I think yeah. they win this one, lose the next. I agree. I'm going to go the same way. I think they beat Northwestern and get to 14-1 and in my mind and then lose to Illinois on the road in Champaign. Yeah. I'm going to say they lose to Illinois, too. So they start off Big Ten play 1-2, and two, but I think they'll still be all right. Well, I have 3 to say, and 2 because you got the two earlier. Oh, oh yeah, two. that's right. There have to be some losses in here where the fan base presses the panic button. And <laughs> yeah. And everyone gets dramatic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like it's it isn't what we thought it was. It's yada, a yearly yada, cycle. Yada. That's going to be yeah. after... That's gonna be after they lose to Duke. If they lose to Duke, right? Yeah. Well, it's gonna be, this team's not there. <laughs> or if they lose to Arizona after they beat Duke, they're gonna be like, Duke's overrated. Arizona's. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I think if always. like if they lose to Duke, it's gonna be like, oh, we need to start the freshman more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it will be. What it'll are we be, doing here, guys? It'll yeah. be, why is Cohen Carr not starting? Why you brought is, these why guys to East Lansing and you don't have them playing? Like, yeah. Yep. It, I can already guess what the narrative's gonna be. Oh, uh, yeah. Michigan State fans are electric at pushing narratives. That's the one thing they do better than anything else is push narratives. Uh, shout out Matt Merrifield. Um, anyways, <laughs> let's keep it moving. So it was 14-1 after Penn State for all of us. So it's, what, 15-2 and two for me and AJ. And I got them at 14-3. and, 14 and three. Rutgers, I think they beat at home. Yep, they'll beat them. Minnesota, um, easy. And Minnesota, they beat at home. Man. AJ, we've got him at seventeen and two, man. That's that's high. Make that seventeen and three against Maryland. Okay, I think I would agree. I think they actually, I think they beat Maryland, and I think they lose to Wisconsin. That's fair. Yeah. I think they get a big win on the road against Maryland as well. So I've I've got them losing to Wisconsin. Um, I think right now for me the losses are Arizona, Illinois. And Wisconsin. I think they lose to Maryland and Wisconsin. Mm, okay. I think this is when uh, this is like middle of conference play. Mm-hmm. You know, there comes the panic button. Dead of, yeah, dead yeah. of the winter. Everybody's tired. Players are tired. Here comes the panic button. Two yeah. And the panic losses. button. Oh my god. And the panic button will not reach three though. I don't yeah, think no. because Michigan's coming in next, and I think they're going to be ready for that yeah. game. Yep. And then I think that puts them right back on track. I think they beat Michigan. I think they beat Maryland. Um, I think they beat Minnesota. Are you guys all in on all of those? I agree. That's three straight. And then I think they get revenge on Illinois. I think this is when the team gets really hot and you start to see some uh, big thing with that. And then here comes the inexplicable loss for no reason. Penn State. Penn State. <sighs> yeah, I could see that. At Penn State, I think they fall to three losses in Big Ten play with a loss at Penn State and bounce back with a win at Michigan. But see, where are you guys at? I think they could beat Penn State on the road, but I could see them losing at Michigan. Just because it seems like every year that series splits. It does. I just feel like this is the year that Michigan State gets a sweep. Yeah, I agree. I think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan beats them. Like, in Chrysler. AJ? I think they win them both. Okay. Iowa at home. 
I think is a win. Agree. Yes. I also think Ohio State at home is a win. I agree. Now you get into the final stretch. At Purdue, home against Northwestern, at Indiana. What's their record in those games? I think this is the year they go into Mackey, and I think they win. It's got to happen eventually. Why not this year? Does it? Yeah. (laughs) I think they play it close. I think it goes down to the wire, and I think think Purdue wins just because I think everything will be on their side. You're in... MSU will be outmatched. I don't know why. I have a feeling this game comes down to a ridiculous call or something, and it works in Purdue's favor because they're at home. Okay. Yeah, I could see that happening too. I'm gonna say two and one in that stretch. I'm gonna say Michigan State loses to Purdue, beats Northwestern, beats Indiana, and shares the Big Ten title with Purdue. I'm gonna say ends up as the two seed they, in the Big Ten title. They beat Purdue and Northwestern, but they lose at Indiana. I would say that's a very real possibility because if they beat Purdue and Northwestern, they probably have the Big Ten title locked up at that point. And I could see them losing to Indiana if yeah. they have the title locked up. And Indiana is such that. a tough place to play. Such it seems like like Assembly Hall, MSU. Like in years past, they they've always gone there and they've always lost. So yeah, well, they've they always lost. gone to Mackey and lost by thirty. So. Yeah, true. Um, but all right, so I have my final record for this team is twenty-seven and five. With a 16-4 and four Big Ten record and a share of the Big Ten title. AJ, what's your final record? I just lost my math, but I think it was the same one. I think we just had losses in different places. Yeah, yeah. that sounds I think right. that, that was mine, too. Okay. Yeah. All of us at 27-5 and five and 16-4. and four. That's a high bar, but I think it's definitely reachable. I mean, there's a chance, looking at this schedule, like, I could see them finishing 17-3. and three. Because I could see them not dropping that game to Penn State. I could see we both we all had games where we thought they would drop just based on like they're going to lose a game right. somewhere, but they could not. Like this team is talented enough that is very true. that they could run through it. But the Big Ten is talented enough that it's going to be really tough to do so. Or they can just go thirty-two and zero. Yeah, that's not happening. Caden, <laughs> um, if that happens, I will. I don't know what I'll do. I'll give you. You'll win some sort of prize at the end of the year if they go 32 yeah, No, they will not be going 32 no. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting that. But they're going to have some fun, and they're going to be a very fun team. They're going to be a very talented team, and I think they've got a shot to get it done and to get Izzo national title number two. I think they've got a deep chance at a tournament run. And now we've got games to talk about, like an actual game in front of us in the next week. The next time you hear us after this podcast, as long as you're listening to it before Monday night, will be... Monday night's game, unless yes, you tune into the Green and White Report on Sunday. You can do that, too. But James Madison, Michigan State, first meeting between the two teams in their program's histories. JMU was good last year in the Sun Belt. They were solid. They're moving on up from the Colonial to the Sun Belt. And they did some damage. They like to run. They're 35th in the country in Ken Palm adjusted tempo, 14th in the country in scoring offense. They averaged over 80 a game last year. They can put the ball in the basket. Terrence Edwards is going to be a problem. Uh, he was a sixth man of the year last year in the Sun Belt. He stepped into a bigger role. 6'6 six, six wing. He's going to be a tough matchup for either Akins or Hall. But at the same time, I think Akins and Hall are the two guys you would want to be in that matchup. Especially, I mean, Jaden Akins on somebody is normally a advantage Michigan State. Yeah, absolutely. This team, this team is a fun team. You know, they're going to be team to track. They had a pretty good year last year, which obviously is something to build off of heading into this season. Um, you know, I think this team, you know, for them, this is a game where you get to see where you're at. 
you know what I mean, um, and how you shape up against teams that will be closer to who you are, but also teams that are, that'll simply put will be better than you later on in the season that you may see. So um, it'll be fun. I expect Michigan State to come out, take care of business, but I think at the very least it's going to be an entertaining game between two teams that um, are very good in their conference and that have high hopes for their seasons. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a perfect uh, first game for Michigan State. They're playing a team that's not really bad or uh, not, like, really, really good. They're playing a team that could give them a little trouble uh, in the first half, I, I would say, and uh, a team that can score and were, was really good last year, almost made it to the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, but I think MSU wins. I think they'll be able to score a lot. I think they'll be able to maybe get in the 80s, maybe 90s, and they'll probably win by, like, 20-plus points. What do you need to see from MSU in this game? I think when you're getting in a, a when you're playing a team like James Madison that will get in a track meet with you, I think you need to limit the turnovers. And I think that's something that MSU is going to have to do on Monday night because if they don't do that, then they could be in a lot of trouble. That's what I was about to say, discipline. That's what I think I need to see um from this team. You have to like you said, Caden, limit the turnovers, also limit the fouls. And the attention to detail is is going to become more and more important as the season goes along. You know, how the big men adjust out of screen and rolls, how many rebounds you're able to get. Are you able to win the battle on the boards defensively and offensively? How are guys boxing out? All of those things, I think, will be very, very important. This team is going to have to be a lot sharper than they were against Tennessee and, frankly, so to speak, they were against Hillsdale. They're going to have to be a lot sharper, and they're going to have to get it together fast in some of those aspects or else we'll be looking at a loss in Chicago. And Ken Palm has that game against James Madison, a projected final score of 80-63 to Hmm. uh, for the Spartans. Also, overall on the season, Ken Palm with a 26-6 and projected record for Michigan State and 16-4 and in conference. Um, the Shout they out had Ken Palm. Ken Palm had yeah. both Duke and Arizona as losses, um, yeah. both close losses. A wow. one point loss 68. to Duke and a one point loss to Arizona, and then a loss at Illinois. Your two game Maryland and Wisconsin uh, stretch, and then a loss to Purdue. So AJ, this is pretty much your uh, this is pretty much your picks, uh, with the exception of the Duke game. Crazy. It actually literally is, I think, your yeah. predictions. Yeah. Um, so just so you guys know at home, clearly, uh, AJ was definitely looking at Ken Palm. When I, was, I was definitely. <laughs> I literally just pulled this up. I've been on Ken Palm, but I've been looking at other guys. I've been looking at James Madison's stats. Um, that's actually crazy. This is the first I've seen of it. It's not the first I've seen of it, but I didn't look at it that close to remember um, exactly who they lost to or won against in projected Ken Palm. But a lot of close games and a lot of games that, it looks like the Spartans are going to be able to take control of. Ken Palm is a big tool for those of you that don't know advanced stats, um, all sorts of stuff. You'll hear us reference it throughout the season uh, because there's a lot of really great stuff on Ken Palm. And there's a lot of really great stuff all over the country in terms of these stats and these numbers. We're going to talk more next week about some more around-the-country stuff once teams actually get playing games. But today was the Michigan State preview. It's going to be a fun year, guys. I'm excited. Great year. So much fun. 
That'll do it for us on the season preview episode of Impact Izone. Catch us back here next week. But before that, catch us Monday night, 8.30 tip. So 8 o'clock for the Impact Izone pregame show from the Breslin Center. AJ and I will have the call for you on WTBM East Lansing, 88.9 FM if you're in the Lansing area. If not, you can catch us online worldwide on our stream, impact89fm.org, backslash listen live. Also, we've got a sports-only stream coming up. You'll be able to find all of our stuff on as well. More on that coming soon. Just keep an eye on it on impacta9fm.org. Thanks for tuning in, guys. That'll be it for us this week. We'll catch you guys later.